and welcome to Art Speaks, a new arts and culture podcast from Philips. I'm your host, Arnold Lehman. After a half century in the art world, mostly as a museum director in Baltimore and in Brooklyn, and five years at Philips as senior advisor, which means someone who is old, knows a lot of people, and isn't shy about voicing opinions, hosting a series like this seems like a perfect fit for me. So for each episode, like today's, I'll be at my desk having a socially distant conversation with friends from the art world, artists, dealers, museum directors and curators, collectors, and critics, to learn from them how and what they are doing and what is on their minds today and for tomorrow. So let's get started with our conversation with my friend, curator Eugenie Tsai. Hi, Eugenie. It's great to see you. It's so good to see you. Well, for anyone who doesn't know, um, Eugenie and I worked together for probably close to 10 years, I think. At least. Um, at the Brooklyn Museum. And they were very fun years. They were, <laughs> they were fun years. And uh, the little cause doll that I see in the background that's so strange that both of us have our little uh, cause um, figure sort of watching, mine is really watching me, came from that wonderful project where we had to either dig up and put steel in so we could put that gigantic double cause figure in the middle of the lobby at the Brooklyn Museum. Yes. And you were you were as cool as a cucumber, all of that. Well, I didn't have any work. You know, it was all of the engineers and the construction guys who reinforced the floor. Uh, we had the riggers who came in and actually installed the piece. I mean, that was kind of a miracle. And of course, Arnold, the piece was given in your honor upon your retirement. <laughs> <laughs> and then it turned out to be, a, you know, we made a little show. We borrowed a couple of paintings. And so we had a very large sculpture, which was, uh, you know, wildly Instagrammable. And um, and that was really, that was what well, was the first piece by Cause to come into the collection. It was really the first time I met him and had an opportunity to work with him. And yeah, it was great. And of course, in your honor, I mean, that was probably the largest, wouldn't you say that was the largest gift that was given in your honor? Um, by many times over. <laughs> the, um, yeah, it was what twenty three feet tall, or it's, it was it was gigantic. Colossal. Colossal is the word, but it was very fun to have there, and it was very strangely enough, the scale did not prevent it from being incredibly embraceable, in a both a direct way. I just remember all those kids hugging those legs, but embraceable <laughs> in many other ways, which is what. Um, a lot of cause is about and isn't a big cause show coming up at some point yes we're working on it right now although um it's opening next year uh i think we're aiming for february we'll see now that uh the world has rearranged itself uh we'll, we'll see how things go but that we're, that's what we're uh, our target is february 
2021. Wow, I'm looking forward to it. Is it both uh, painting and sculpture and, and, and? It's everything. It's painting, sculpture, augmented reality, the extended holiday project will be, all the projects will be represented in some way. Also, his drawing and related collectibles will be represented. Um, his immersive environments, early graffiti drawings, and, um, and some of the posters from the altered bus shelters. So it's going to have everything, not a survey in the traditional sense, but it will include all bodies of his work, but arranged in, in kind of installations, I'll say, or groupings. So it's really exciting. Well, and you can't really call it mid-career because he's been working for so long with such an amazing output that um, I guess you're also going to have to invent a new word to describe what this kind of show is. But it's, um, I think, going to be amazingly successful. Um, and it's, it's so nice to work with him. He's such a charming and lovely, low-key um, guy. Right, but that behind that lie is that's a deceptive facade because, of course, he's extremely smart and so deliberately understated it, it can be deceiving. So I'm amazed that those altered bus shelter um, sort of posters were still around. Did cause himself to Brian himself go out and retrieve those or did people actually just grab them and hang on to them for some reason I think people grabbed you know took them I he did mention once buying some of them back I don't know how many but clearly I think when he saw an opportunity he did take advantage of it because I I remember correctly that was one of the very first times that I think I heard of cause. Um, and yeah, cause I don't think I knew the work before that, but that's, I'm learning about it cause I'm in the midst of doing an exhibition on graffiti and street art um, next at the beginning of the year in January. Perfect. Kind of overlap in a way. Tell me who's in your show. Well, I'm kind of distilling it now, but I have a very long list of, I don't know, 80, 90 uh, street and graffiti artists, mostly New York and California. Um, and what I'm, what I'm hoping is that we'll have about 25 and have more of an opportunity to present three, four works by each instead of a kind of encyclopedic show with just one work by each artist but it's a lot of fun with a lot of great people um who are always eager to um you know to participate which is terrific so but addition to cause you're always working on a half dozen different things what else is taking time during all of these solitary confined hours that we have i've never worked as much well, it's really nice to have, once I got over my initial nervousness about the state of the world, <laughs> I kind of stopped checking 
phone every five minutes for updates. It really is an unprecedented opportunity to have these blocks of time that are, you know, rarely interrupted by meetings, you know, maybe an occasional phone meeting or Zoom meeting. So it, it, you have to take advantage of that. Um, one of the things I'm working on um, uh, is the reinstallation of the contemporary collection, which has been off view for about three years. And we are thinking of reinstalling it. We have some incredible new acquisitions, both gifts and purchases. We purchased the Simone Lee loophole of retreat that was at the Guggenheim. It was a signature, the title work. Oh, I didn't know that. Congratulations. That is so, I mean, her work is so phenomenal. That is such great news. Announcing it right here on, you know, just between us friends. <laughs> yes. And we also have, um, Mel Chin and his uh, The Fundred piece, which he's worked on for the past 12 years with the group, uh, various um, groups. We have that coming in. That was a gift from the artist. We have um, uh, Arthur Japa's um, video on the uh, Black Church that's come in, and we want to show that, and then a gift of some Kentridge works. So I'm working on that. Of course, now the schedule, as you know, I say I'm working on it, but as with the caveat that everything is a little bit, I mean, it's hard to know exactly when we're going to reopen and in, in what form. So I wouldn't be surprised if it is also a little bit, shall we say, delayed or slightly rescheduled. But with an installation that, that needs that much space, um, I can't imagine the planning that's going to have to go into this. Um, because those works require um, a lot of air. Um, so that's, that is really terrific. I'm so excited. Thank you. No, I have my fingers crossed. So if it doesn't happen when it's exactly when it's supposed to, I know it will happen at some point soon after, and that's very reassuring. Oh, um, I, I'm sure. Um, it is, uh, you know, it's... Hard. We both um, lived and worked through 9/11 um, when uh, you were living downtown then, and you know we couldn't go south of 14th Street. Uh, this reminds me a little bit like that, but but we still had more contact with one another, and uh, it appeared, although not at the beginning, but it appeared that it was going to be resolved you know, in, in not very long time. Um, but this is so much different and plans and schedules um, all have to be, um, have to be understood to be fluid. Um, but that, you know, there's a certain time in our life when fluidity <laughs> is a good thing. Yeah, you gotta go with the flow. There's, otherwise you'll make yourself crazy. Right. And you know, it's a good reminder that there's only so much we can control and, you know, it's, it's out of our hands in, in some ways. But um, I just finished two shows. I just finished working on the Jacques-Louis David meets Kehinde Wiley exhibition and also the Jeffrey Gibson when fire um, is applied to stone, it, uh, stone it cracks. So I'm coming off of those kind of catching my breath and then just you know, straight into Causes exhibition, 
but it, you know, it's exciting. It keeps you busy, keeps you from reading too much of the news and falling into a funk, which is deadly. You, you have, you have never, um, at least in my experience, um, had a lot of pause time. And I have to say, I saw both. I saw you at the Jacques-Louis David opening, the Jacques-Louis yes. David slash Gandhi Wiley opening. Oh, it was, it was the ceremony, too. Right. And, um, and um, I also uh, was there for the Jeffrey Gibson show, which was, I think, truly fantastic. And working together with the other uh, departments, uh, sort of certainly Native American uh, and Jeffrey Gibson was such a, well, it put so much of the museum's great treasures into high relief. And, um, and he is so masterful and so thoughtful that um, it it's it's wonderful the, the but it didn't get a long enough time to be seen by the public before this whole thing came about. Um, will it will it be on for what? Well, we don't know. We don't know. No, no. Well, well, this is the great thing. First of all, I'm so happy to hear you say that, Arnold. That that means a lot. And I it, it was such a privilege to work on that show with Jeffrey and Dr. Christian Crouch. But the show is scheduled to run through January of 2021. So for once, uh, I think people will have an opportunity to see the exhibition after the museum reopens. Well, I didn't know that, that is great. But I have to say, for the amount of effort and, and looking at it you know, from the outside in, expense, and thought that had to go into that exhibition, it is great that it is uh, on view for so long. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled because I never got a chance to come back a second time, uh, because also because it was so crowded uh, the evening I was there. And um, so I'm really heartened. That's just terrific. Yeah, no, it's the kind of show that it, it really demands repeated viewings. It's so rich, so deep. So Arnold, have you been able to work on your book during this time? Does, does this provide an opportunity to wrap things up, to make some progress? Well, I have been working on it. Um, I've still not wrapped up. I've gotten, I'd say I'm about three-fifths, maybe a little bit more the way through, uh, maybe even two-thirds the way through. Uh, but the more you get into it, the more complicated the, the project is. And for those viewers who don't know this little inside thing that we're talking about is that I'm writing a, um, a book on um, the great sensation show at the Brooklyn Museum in the second half of 1999 to the beginning of 2000 and Charles Saatchi. Um, and um, as you'll hear from the working title, it's called Sensation, um, The Holy Virgin Mary, Freedom of Expression, and Rudy Giuliani. So um, I'm getting there, but I'm on the chapter right now that is all about the installation of that exhibition. Um, 
And I have to say, Eugenie, I only wish you were there at that time because um, all hands on deck, all brains on override, and everything that could go wrong, of course, went wrong. I saw the show. It was it was before I started working at the museum, and I remember it made a huge impression on me. And I also thought the installation was quite beautiful, but I also noticed that it had very wide kind of aisles. And I I happened to be there. I must have gone. I don't know, on some off hour because I could actually see the work. But I realized that normally the show was just teeming with people that you'd have to just jockey for a position. Uh, and yeah, the, right? The, the problem was, as museum professionals, we, we always thought that we had a sense of how long it would take visitors to move through an exhibition. It certainly wasn't a science, but there, it, was, it was a kind of built-on experience. And whatever experience we had had prior to sensation was totally out the window because people just stayed. They stayed, they looked so carefully at everything. Um, I remember people on the floor all around Ron Muick's dead dad. Um, and you couldn't get them to get off the floor. Uh, you didn't want to be rude. Um, guards would say, you know, people are going to fall. Could you kind of get closer together? But people reacted with such an intensity to much of what was on view that it caused endless lines. And sometimes the lines were three and four hours long. Um, wow. And interestingly, people thought that we must have had the largest attendance ever at the museum. I mean, the attendance was very big, but had people moved along, the attendance could have been 50% bigger or more. They just wouldn't leave, which I think is, I'm very proud of an audience that does that. But also the work on view was so new, there had been nothing like it. I mean, just thinking about the Damien Hirst pieces, you know, they were amazing. And the Ron Muick, uh, Chris Ophelia, it was just, you know, new and different um, and just mind-blowing or mind-expanding or for others, you know, sacrilegious and, you know, the end of art. It was, it really was a moment, a cultural moment. The end of days, let alone the end of art. I spent much of that in court. So I, I didn't get a chance to see all of it. Um, but but um, it was, a, it's an amazing memory to have. And uh, what's helping me most in my writing is that Pam, my wife, who I didn't know was doing this, document every single day of what had transpired that day. So I have a, I think a 98 page long, single spaced memo 
from Pam covering every single day of that exit. Well, maybe a few days where nothing happened, but that was rare. That's amazing. Totally amazing. And I didn't know she was doing it until I started working in earnest on the book and she handed me this memo. Huh. It was in, you know, uh, my mind was already slipping on many things. So this was a giant, giant uh, help. Um, you know, and she would get a big credit line, if not co-author. Good for you. Uh, but thank you for bringing that memory and talking to me about getting to work um, on my book, which I do a lot, but probably not a lot. I don't, as you said, this is the perfect time to really focus on things like that. And I'm just in awe of all the, all the projects you were working on. And I can't wait until we hear that all clear signal uh, for us to go outside, rip our masks off, throw our hands in the air, yell hallelujah, we're back in the museums. Yeah. Uh, I, do I sound like a religious fanatic? Oh, just a little, that's okay, an art fanatic. Yeah, an art that. fanatic, which um, is a good thing. Definitely. Thank you, Eugenie, very much. Maybe we can do this every single week. Oh, that would be fun. It's, it's really lovely to see you, Arnold. And lovely to see you. And then we'll bring our little cause people together. Oh, yes, let's do that. Thank you. <laughs> Say hi to Tom for me. I will. And take care. Bye-bye. Bye. That was my great friend, Eugenie Tsai. I hope you will join me next time on Art Speaks when artist Andres Serrano will be with us.